I'm not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth under those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many be perfect, be thus minded, and if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have, uh, have us for an example." For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. We've been preaching here in the book of Philippians for the past few weeks on and off as the Lord gives us liberty. And we know that Paul talks about that he need, he wanted to forget some things, he wanted to be focused, and he wanted to go forward. And we preached last Wednesday night, and what we're dealing with tonight and picking up is principles for pressing on. Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I want to say this tonight. I got started right, amen. I come to Jesus Christ, and He saved me by His grace. I'm glad that I automatically already had a King James Bible. I was already under good preaching. I understand not everybody had that testimony. But I was raised in that, and I thank God for that. But I tell you, my desire is not how I started, but these days, my heart is, I want to finish right, and I want to continue going the same path uh, that the Lord's led us on. And that was Paul's desire uh, in these verses tonight. The word press means to run swiftly in order to catch a person or a thing to press on. I like one of my favorite hymns is 374 in the Red Book. There's glory in my soul since Jesus took control. He placed within my ha- my heart a happy song. That, and the chorus says, press on. It won't be very long until we reach that land of song. There's a lot of God's people that are quitting tonight. A lot of people are throwing in the towel and they're no longer serving the Lord. Oh, but may God help us in these days to press Press on for the glory and the honor of God and to finish well. Now, if we are going to press on, Paul gives us some principles for pressing on. Last week, and I'll mention it quickly just for sake of context, we said there is the exhortation that we must receive. Verses 15, 16, and 17. He talks about Christian maturity in verse 15. Let us therefore as many be perfect. And that word perfect means whole or mature. And you know how you get, and you know how you grow in spirit, how you grow physically? Uh, you eat and you, and you drink water and you drink, uh, well if you really want to grow, you drink Coca-Cola. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, but, but you grow, you know, you take nourishment to grow. Well, the same way if you want to grow spiritually, you need the nourishment 
of the Word of God. And so he talks about Christian maturity. And then he talks about a centered mindset. He said we need to be thus minded. We need to be focused. And we need to be forgetful of those things in the past. And we need to go forward for the glory of God. He talks about the convincing manifestation. And if anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. In other words, he's saying don't lag behind. If you're not all the way in, if you're not fully, uh, I'm not talking about being all the way in saved. I'm talking about being fully committed. Are there areas of your life you've not yet submitted to God? The answer is yes. <laughs> because we all, I mean, if, we're, if, we, if we had every area in our life submitted to God, uh, then we wouldn't need preaching. Amen. We wouldn't have to read the Bible because we would be, we would have sinless perfection. And we're never going to hit that, are we? And so every day we live, we've got to submit something to His life. And He's going to work in our lives. Don't lag behind, but get in step. And then He talks about a conduct maintained in verse 16. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. We reminded you and reminded myself that the, the, our rule book tonight is the Word of God. And then we concluded last Wednesday night with the choice that is made. Verse 17, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. And we talked about the importance of being an example to others and following a godly example. Paul was not trying to get a following to himself because he tells the church, you find those who are walking right and living for God and you follow their example. Truly, we can look in the Word of God and we can follow the example of Daniel and we can follow the example of Paul and we can follow the example of, of the apostles and certainly we can follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I tell you, you can look at folks in the church who served God for years faithfully. Hey, and you can, uh, you know, the book of Titus talks about uh, that the aged women teach the younger women uh, how to be uh, mothers and how to love their husbands. That's an example. And the men ought to teach the younger men how to be men and how to live for the Lord. That is an example. You don't have to be a preacher to be an example. You don't have to be the pastor to be an example. One of my qualifications is to be an example to the flock. But every one of us ought to strive to be an example to somebody else on how to be a Christian. I wonder tonight, here's a convicting question that convicts my heart and maybe it will convict yours heart. If I was the only Christian you knew and I was to be your example, what kind of Christian would you be? Let's flip it around. If you was the only Christian somebody else knew, and you was going to be the example, would they be a godly Christian? Oh, may God help us to be a godly example. So there's an exhortation we must receive. That's what we dealt with last Wednesday night. Let's move on in the text quickly. Not only if you're going to press on, there's an exhortation you must receive, but then there are enemies we must recognize. Look at verse 18. And 19, beginning in these verses, Paul makes a parenthetical statement concerning those who would distract or deter the believer from continuing in the race. I want to remind you something about something tonight, folks. There's always going to be somebody trying to hinder your spiritual progress. Most of the time, it's you. You're tripping over your own flesh. You're tripping over your own self. But there also is going to be other people. And here's what the, Paul told the Galatians. Ye did run well. Who? Not what? Who did hinder you? 
And so he talks about, and in the context of this chapter, I believe that these people that Paul is talking about in verse 18 and 19 are the Judaizers, those who add works to grace. And Paul has combated these people over and over and over again. And he once again, watch, there's a spoken, a spoken proclamation in verse 18. He said, For many walk of whom I have told you often. He said, I've had to warn you about this crowd over and over again. Now, they are walking, but they're not walking the right way. We've quoted Amos 3.3, can two walk together except they be agreed? Well, uh, and, and that's what we talked about. We talked this about a, a little bit about this last Wednesday night, uh, but about people uh, that claim the name of the Lord, uh, but they're not fundamentally straight and they're not doctrinally straight. And, 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 and sad, you got to say this, they're not even conservatively straight. You got to watch that crowd. Oh, they're walking, but they're not walking the same direction. And in this context, Paul talking about these Judaizers, uh, he, these men were perverting the gospel and sending people to hell because they were teaching, yes, you need Jesus, but you gotta, you gotta do this and to keep it and earn your salvation along with grace. Adding works to grace. I tell you, grace and works don't mix no more than water and oil mix. It'll never work. It'll never work. So he gives them a spoken proclamation. But then notice his somber passion. And now tell you even weeping. Now, Paul could get quite angry. Paul could get quite aggressive. In fact, earlier in this chapter, he calls them dogs. But in this text, he's weeping. You know, Paul knew these men. You realize Paul was a part of this crowd before he got saved. These were his friends. These were his colleagues. These were his laborers. They were laboring together in the same cause. They, Paul thought he was right when he was a Pharisee and of, this, of, the, of the Judaizing set. He thought he was right. But now he's seen the light, literally. He's been born again. And now those that he once served with are now shooting at him and trying to corrupt his ministry and trying to, trying to uh, downplay his work. And, and Paul said, Paul said, I, I, I tell you, weeping. Can you imagine Paul sitting in that Philippian jail writing this letter? And he gets to this point and tears are dripping on the page. And that, you know, them Roman guards would be chained to Paul. And he might say, Paul, you know, it's all right, man. You're going to make it? I mean, I believe uh, Paul witnessed to everybody. You, you can't tell me those guys didn't have a soft spot for Paul because Paul's in the saints of Caesar's household. Salute they. Paul witnessed to everybody. Paul, why are you weeping? Are you weeping for your circumstances? No. Paul, are you weeping uh, because you miss your family and your friends? No. Well, Paul, why are you weeping? I'm weeping for my enemies. Boy, that's real Christianity, ain't it? When's the last time we wept over our enemies? He almost looks like a man that wasn't bothered but burdened. Ain't that amazing how God tied that together? Now, at the same time, Paul wants them men to be saved too. He wants them to see the light. But I'm going to tell you the catch-22 is trying to have a burden for those people that are trying to tear down the ministry and protect the flock. You know what he's doing? He's feeding the flock with one hand. He's having to beat off the wolves with the other hand. You talk about a tough spot to be in. Many times the shepherd has to fight off the wolves to protect the sheep. 
Paul wanted these Judaizers to be saved, why do you think he always went to the synagogue first? His heart, his desire was that Israel be saved in Romans 10. He wanted them to know. He wanted them to be saved. But many times they threw him in prison, beat him, left him for dead. He carried such a burden for him. And Paul said, I love him. I want him to be saved. But I've got to warn this church, these young Christians, don't swallow what they're trying to give you. Folks, sometimes as a pastor I have to preach on things that you may not know anything about. But sadly, it's got to the point now, if you've got social media, you know you at least heard something about what I'm having to preach on sometimes. And, and I don't like doing it. I wish I'd come in and just preach the glory every service and not have to not have to fight off wolves and all that. But sometimes you've got to say, hey, there's a danger over here. Don't go this direction. Don't, don't heed that. You know what a shepherd will do? A shepherd, before he'll allow the sheep to lie down in the green pastures, he'll, he'll walk the circumference of that field to make sure there ain't no poisonous weeds or anything. And he wants to make sure that the sheep have a safe place to lay down. I like Brother Eddie Davis said, the best way to starve out a wolf is just to feed the sheep because wolves won't eat sheep food. They eat sheep. And sadly, there's been times in my pastor, and I regret it, that I spent more time fighting wolves instead of protecting sheep, uh, feeding sheep. And may God help me as a pastor just to feed the sheep. Yeah, I've got to warn you sometimes. I have to. Paul talks about Philippians uh, 3 when this chapter starts. He said, I, he said, to tell you the same thing. It's, it's not grievous, for, but for you it's safe. Sometimes you've got to give a warning. But Paul, is, Paul has a tender heart about it. Notice the satanic position in verse 18. That they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Watch how selfless Paul is. He didn't say they're my enemies. He said they're enemies of the cross of Christ. Now the word enemies here, it means hated, odious, hateful, hostile. You know what we think. The first song, Brother, Brother Cade said his favorite song was At the Cross. We have, a, we have a cross a man built here at our church years ago. I just like I just like it, and I preached a series on the cross back in 2014, and had it up there uh, for that, and I just never took it down. I just like the cross, amen. And and we see it as a symbol of hope, symbol of salvation. I know we are not saved by the wood. Somebody help me. We're saved because the Lamb of God hung there. It's a symbol of our salvation. Can you imagine somebody hating it and being an enemy of it? It's what these men were. You know, Cain was the enemy of the cross of Christ. So they said, Preacher, how? Well, the Lord required a blood sacrifice, and Cain brought the fruit of the ground. Now, I don't believe, Brother Tony, that Cain brought rotten fruit. I believe he bought, brought the best fruit he had, but his best was not what God wanted. I tell you tonight, he didn't want the best, he wanted the blood. And I want to remind you, I know it's a Tuesday night, a.k.a. Wednesday night service, and you're here tonight because you want to be, but just in case there's someone here tonight that's lost or listening, God don't want your best. He only wants the blood of His Son for your salvation. Because the best we have is just filthy rags, the prophet Isaiah said. Notice the sad plight in verse 19. Here's why Paul's weeping. Whose end is destruction. The word destruction means perishing. It's the same word when Jesus said that if you'll believe on Him, you should not perish. It's the same word. He said these men are going to die and go to hell. You know, we talk about those that preach a false gospel and a false doctrine. 
And I have to preach hard against that. But ever since Sunday night, God's had me hemmed up about having a burden for those men because those men are going to go to hell that preach a false doctrine. Man, how do you balance that, brother? Warning folks and having a burden for their souls. That's hard. That's a hard spot to be in for all of us. Paul, Paul's not a perfect man, but I believe Paul's got a pretty good hold of this. Watch, watch the selfish pleasure they live in. Whose God is their belly? They're just focused on feeding their flesh, gratifying their flesh. It's all about them lifting themselves up. They don't want... Here's what the Bible says in Romans 16, verse 18. For they are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good works and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. The Bible says if you sow the flesh of the flesh, you'll reap corruption. Shameful promotion. Look at verse 19. And whose glory is in their shame. Did you realize that every human being has to have something to glory in? And when man does not glory in the Lord, he'll glory in his flesh. You know what? They, they're glorying. They're glorying. Their glory is in their shame. But you know what Paul's was? Paul said, but God forbid I should glory saving the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. But they're not going to glory in the cross because Paul just said... They're enemies of the cross. And then notice their sinful priorities in verse 19. Who mind earthly things. They're thinking about the temporal and not the eternal. Well, preacher, you're talking about principles for pressing on. How is, how is these enemies we're supposed to recognize, how is that supposed to help us press on? I hate to say this, but everybody ain't right. And you've got to be careful what you swallow. You gotta be careful what you feed on. Church, I say this again, I've said over and over again, I, I say it to give myself accountability. If I ever preach anything that is contrary to this book, I'm wrong and the book's right. This is the final authority. God forbid if I get into sin, the book corrects me, and if it's bad enough, the book will put me out of the pastorate. Why? Because the book's right. It's amazing. So many preachers say they believe the book until it comes to them. Now, I'm not saying that arrogantly tonight, but either we believe this is the Word of God or we don't. It is the final authority. We have bylaws and constitution for legal purposes. You have to have that. We have those. But we operate by the Bible. We have bylaws for legal purposes, but we have the Bible for our living purposes. Amen. It's what we live by. It's what we operate by. Amen. Uh, we, everything we do in this church, we'll be able to back it up with the Word of God. It, it breaks my heart to see men that say they used to believe this book and they don't anymore. I talked about it Sunday night a little bit. Men that taught me the Word of God no longer believe it. God help us. Preacher, how is that supposed to help me to press on? Anybody ever know anybody that got out of church and quit on God? You know what that done to your heart? You don't want to do that to somebody else, do you? See, so you better recognize them. But here's the last thing. There's an exhortation to receive. There's enemies you must recognize. But in closing, and I'll be done in just a moment, there's an expectation we must remember. Watch this in verse number 20. In contrast to this lost crowd in verse 19 who mind earthly things, he said, if you're going to press on, he said, watch, our, there's our conversation in verse 20. For our conversation is in heaven. 
That word conversation means citizenship. He said, church, he said, I know you get weary. I know you're seeing these people that are trying to tear down what God's done in our church and what God's doing in your life. But you remember, you are not of this world. We're just passing through. That's what Brother David was testifying about. Our citizenship. Yes, I am a citizen of the United States of America. And I and fleshly and humanly, I'm proud of that. I thank God for that. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Amen. But my allegiance lies to another country. And that's a heavenly country. There's the, the conversation, but then there's the confidence in verse 20. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, you want to press on? Just look for that blessed hope. You keep looking for Jesus. No, He didn't come today, but He might come tomorrow. And if He don't come on Wednesday, I'm going to look for Him on Thursday. Amen. The Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 21 and 22, Now He which establishes us with you in Christ hath anointed us is God who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. I heard a preacher preach a few months ago, actually Brother Jack Tripp. He's come and heard Brother McBride. He pastors up near Archdale. Precious man of God. And I was listening to Brother Tripp preach, and he was preaching out of this verse about the earnest of the Holy Spirit. And he gave this illustration, and I want to give it to you, give him my last point, and we'll go to the house. I'm talking about the Lord's coming again. You know what earnest money is. He, and he gave this illustration. He said, say a man went by a car dealership, used car dealership. And he went to that car salesman. He found a car that he liked, Brother Eric. And he said, man, I'd like to buy that car. He said, but I don't have the money today. He said, but I want to put some earnest money down. Now, earnest money is just a token of, hey, I'm interested, and I'm going to buy this car, and I'll be back later to purchase it. You know what I'm talking about, all right? He said, if that man just handed that guy $5 for his earnest money and left, and somebody else come by that day and say, hey, boy, I like that car. Can I buy it? You know what that car son's going to say? Yeah. Because I had a guy here earlier, but he only put $5 down. He won't have much invested, and I, don't, I ain't for sure he'll be back tomorrow to buy this car. But say that man that come by first said, I want to buy that car, and I'm going to get some earnest money, so I'm going to put $1,000 down. And I'll be back tomorrow. If somebody comes by to buy that car later, that fellow said, no, I can't sell it. Why? Well, some, he put some money down. He's got too much invested not to come back. Well, Paul said when we got saved, he gave us the earnest of the Spirit. The Spirit of God lives on the inside. That is the earnest. How, preacher, do you know he's coming back? He's got too much invested not to come back. And I'll tell you, Paul said, you want to keep pressing on. You want to keep going on. You keep looking for Jesus. I'll tell you, just as sure as he showed up in Bethlehem that night, just as sure as he died on Calvary, just as sure as he got up on resurrection morning, just as sure as he ascended back into heaven, he is coming again. Why? He's got too much invested in us. That'll help you press on, knowing that He is coming. And then there's the change in verse 21. Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. Not only do we have the confidence that He's coming, but when He comes, this robe of flesh, I'll drop and rise to seize the everlasting prize. 
Hey, this this body uh, that we have uh, that's fallen apart, that has imperfections, uh, that has sickness, that has pain, uh, that that deals with temptation and sin, it's been tainted because of Adam and Eve in the garden. I'm telling you, on resurrection day, on rapture day, there's going to be a change take place. Here's what John said. Beloved, behold, we now are the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We're not, we don't believe like the Mormons. We're not going to become gods. But we're going to be like Him. We're going to be made in the image of God. Some quack ran around years ago and said that everybody in heaven will be a man because we're made in the image of God. The joker never read Genesis 2 where Adam and Eve were both made in the image of God. Amen. There'll be male and female in heaven. Amen. There'll be children in heaven. Those that's been to Calvary, been saved by the grace of God, been washed in the blood. I'll tell you what will help you press on in these dark days with the compromise and the apostasy and the wickedness all around us, knowing that somebody's coming to get us. I'm at 25 minutes, 7.56, I'm done. Brother, <coughs> I told this story years ago. I think I told it my first Easter Sunday that I pastored here. I found the notes the other day. My daddy's preacher when he's a teenager. He's an old preacher named Brother Charles Williams. And Brother Charles used to go down to the, to the Dominican on mission trip every year. There's a national pastor down there. And they'd go down there and they would hold crusades and preach. And there was a children's home down there where... Uh, it's special needs children. And where the mamas and dads that had a children, maybe Down syndrome or before autism was really a name, but kids that had those difficulties, didn't parents didn't want them, they'd just drop them off that orphanage. Had all them maladies. And uh, I heard Brother Williams said they went to that orphanage to visit those children down there in Dominican. And he said, you know, you're thinking in a foreign country it's going to be dirty. He said, but the place was spotless. It was clean. It was very well kept. Very nice, the staff. He said everything was clean. He said except at the front, they had a big window, real big window that was, you know, from the ground to the ceiling. And he said, and from about here down was just filthy. It had hand marks, mouth marks all over it. And uh, he said, you know, I know it's a children's home. He said, I, I complimented the man that ran the children's home. He said, sir, I want to compliment you how clean, how nice everything looks. He said, I do have one question. He said, the windows. He said, how come everything is clean except for the windows? And the, and the, preacher, and the man said, oh, pastor, we can't keep the windows clean. He said, well, how come? He said, well, you're not the first preacher that's come by here. He said, a preacher come by last year and told these children that one day Jesus is coming to get them. He said, and every day they go to that window and they look. And they're looking for him. Because they know Jesus is coming to get them. Oh, may God help us to look towards our window and know He is coming to get us. That will help us press on when the going gets tough. May God help. You want to hear the Lord say, well done, at the judgment seat? I know I do. You know how to guarantee to hear Him say, well done? Is when you go home tonight, Lord, did I do well today? If you want to finish well in eternity, finish well each day. May God help us to press on. Hey, church, you're the backbone here tonight. You're the backbone. Others that were sick would be here, but you're the backbone. I want to encourage you, don't quit. I know it gets hard. I know it gets difficult. But you keep going. You keep pressing on. Keep looking out that window because he's coming to get us.
has got too much invested. Amen. Let's stand and sing one more song before we go home. Let's sing my, one of my favorite hymns tonight. I know it's hard to pick your favorite hymn, but let's sing that 374 in the red book. There's glory in my soul since Jesus took control. We're going to sing that before we go home. Make sure you, if you haven't got a prayer bulletin, if Brother Charles didn't get you one, make sure you get one and pray over that this week. And let's sing together. Press on. It won't be very long. Brother Caden, you lead us out, and we'll sing this song before we go to the house, all right? Mm-hmm.